We will be in Exodus chapter 20, a very familiar passage of Scripture. Exodus chapter 20, if uh, you don't know where that is, surprise, it's the Ten Commandments. And we're going to be talking about that a little bit, but what led me to feel like I needed to share this particular message with you was, I don't know if you guys are aware of it, I, everybody's talking about it on social media, and it's all over the Christian world, but this Asbury revival that they've recently, well, Asbury College is in a little place called Wilmore, Kentucky, and I've been very close. I haven't been all the way out there to the university. It's a university as well as a seminary. And it actually started at the college chapel. They have chapel services. I don't know if they have them five days a week or how they do that. It was required chapel attendance. Well, there were some students that happened to be there that morning, and just several of them felt led to stay, and the Spirit of God got in on that. And of course, if you've watched the news, if you've seen anything about it, it's just blown up and gotten big. Well, ever, some people were praising God, other people were saying it's not real revival, the devil's in it, this, that, and the other. It doesn't matter what you and I think. God is at work. God is on the move. Now, does that mean everybody's going to get in on it? And No, it certainly doesn't. It, it doesn't mean that the world's now going to be Christianized because we've had this big revival in the church because the world is not going to be Christianized, but it should be evangelized. And it should be evangelized by people that are passionate about their Lord and Savior. And that's what revival's all about. Revival's not for lost people. Revival is for saved people. You can't have revival unless you've first been vibed. Revival doesn't start with a corpse. Revival starts with someone who's been born again, but who the world and the devil and their own flesh have softened them and pulled them back, and the, maybe the ember has died down, and we're just fanning the flame. So everybody, has, everybody is welcome to their own opinion of what is going on. And my thought was, I think many believers confuse the beginning of something with the ending of it. When you, when you have a new baby born into the family, there's a lot of excitement, amen? But if 30 years later they're still living in your house wanting you to cook supper and wash their clothes and buy them a car, something's wrong, amen? Well, see, the beginning of it was wonderful, and it is as it should be. They needed our nurture. They needed our care. They needed discipline. They needed love. They needed structure. They needed all these things, but it was exciting. But as we mature, we don't need petulance. We don't need childishness. We need mature people. Revival is not the end of it. We can't live in a perpetual Jesus pep rally where everybody's excited and we're all up on the mountaintop. Fruit is born out in the valley. Always. But we need the mountaintop experiences occasionally, right? We all need those. 
So I think there can, some of the detractors of this move have confused that, and that's why they're so skeptical and so critical, because you can be one of those people like I've been when I was in my pastorate. When I was young, I was passionate. I wanted my people to feel as passionately as I did about what, and I mistook sometimes that we all have to go through the valleys. That never, everyone's not going to be rah-rah all the time. And I, I, I had to learn that lesson. God showed me, he taught me that lesson. That we need people that stay on a level field no matter what. That all through the ups and downs, we don't need roller coaster Christians. One day they're in the clouds and the next day it's doom and gloom. And we're never going to overcome this. We need people that no matter what's going on, no matter what the warfare is like all around us, that we're going to be staying before the Lord. We need an occasional pep, right? I like pep rallies. I like dress parades in the military. But if all we do with our dress is wander around in our dress blues, as the Marine Corps calls them, with our medals pinned on our chest, but we never go to the battlefield, something's wrong. So we gotta have we gotta have both. And I thought about the Ten Commandments because any nation that's going to have a solid society, that's going to have a uh, a society that's not in chaos, it comes back to these basic Ten Commandments that God gave the children of Israel. You can't get around them. We're going to see this morning, they're not suggestions. They are commandments. And they're commandments that were given not to, not to be mean and spiteful and withhold something from us. They were meant to protect and provide and to be a great blessing to us. So we're going to read uh, verses 1 through 17 there in Exodus chapter 20, and we'll just kind of see what God says. And God spoke all these words, saying, I am the Lord thy God, which have brought thee out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of bondage. He's brought us out of bondage too, by the way. Thou shalt have no other gods before me. Thou shalt not make unto thee any graven image or any likeness of anything that is in heaven above or that is in the earth beneath or that is in the water under the earth. Thou shalt not bow thyself to them nor serve them for I the Lord thy God am a jealous God visiting the iniquity of the fathers upon the children unto the third and fourth generation of them that hate me and showing mercy unto thousands of them that love me and keep my commandments. Thou shalt not take the name of the Lord thy God in vain for the Lord will not hold him guiltless that taketh his name in vain. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Six days shalt thou labor and do all thy work but, on, but the seventh day is the Sabbath of the Lord thy God and in it thou shalt do no work, thou nor thy son, nor thy daughter, thy manservant, nor thy maidservant, nor thy cattle, nor thy stranger that is within thy gates. 
For in six days the Lord made heaven and earth, the sea and all that in them is, and rested the seventh day. Wherefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and hallowed it. Honor thy father and mother, that thy days may be long upon the land which the Lord thy God giveth thee. Thou shalt not kill. Thou shalt not commit adultery. Thou shalt not steal. Thou shalt not bear false witness against thy neighbor. Thou, thou shalt not covet thy neighbor's house. Thou shalt not covet thy neighbor's wife, nor his manservant, nor his maidservant, nor his ox, nor his ass, nor anything that is thy neighbor's. God is giving Moses these, these commandments. This is his word. Basically, this is his building block for the children of Israel and their whole society. It will stand or fall according to them keeping these commandments. And by the way, God knew that when he gave them to Moses, they were not going to keep them, right? This is but a picture of the fulfillment of the law through the Lord Jesus Christ. Aren't you glad Jesus came and fulfilled the law so that you and I which something we could never do was fulfill the law, keep every one of these, because remember what Jesus said about them? If you break even one of them, you might as well do all the rest of them because they're, they're broken. Don't do that, by the way. But what he's saying is you break one, you've broken them all. The standard is perfection, sinless perfection. None of us can do that. But I'll tell you this, any society who does practice them, who has the desire in their heart to practice them, you're going to be a well-off society. Can I get a witness to that one? Every struggle that we're having in our culture today goes back to biblical authority and goes back to these basic ten commandments. And again, I cannot stress how much this is not about keeping a list of do's and don'ts. This is about the freedom that we have in Christ. We cannot keep these, but through Christ I can do all things. That's what is pleasing to the Lord. I want, I want to say very quickly, and I don't want to scare you, six little things <laughs> about the Ten Commandments. The first one is, is that the Ten Commandments are not abstract. It's not, a, it's, it's not an abstract thought. It's not, well, this doesn't apply to me. I, I don't, where did that come from? This applies to everyone that has been born or ever will be born because here's the deal. The first four commandments deal in our vertical relationship with God Himself and who He is and what are His demands and what is He like. And the other six have to deal with our horizontal relationships, us living with one another. How do, how do we get along? Where did marriage come from? Why is it so important that one man and one woman for life, till death do you part? Why? Right here in the Word of God. Right here from the, from the very beginning. You go all the way back to Adam and Eve, the first marriage. All of these things, they're not abstract. And you know what? A lot of our preaching in America nowadays is very abstract. 
they're, they're getting very good at the art of almost saying something when they stand up there and preach. And all it is is a bunch of fluff and a bunch of nonsense and a bunch of stuff that may or may not apply to you in your life. But I tell you what, the Ten Commandments apply to each and every one of us every day of our lives. Even in the Christian church, New Testament church, these things are applicable to us because how are you doing with the first commandment? How are you doing with the second commandment? No, I don't. I'm not, I don't have a little Buddha sitting in my house, but I can have an image. Whatever is first place in my life and that I look to that and I focus on that, that's my God, right? It could be my spouse. It could be my best friend. It could be my bank account. It could be a new truck. It could be any number of things. If that is my focus, that is the little image that I bear, that's my God. You see, he's addressing not abstract things. He's addressing what we all have to do. Have you ever taken the Lord's name in vain? You don't have to cuss to take Jesus' name in vain. You can sit in church and sing, My Jesus, I love thee, when you really have put other things before him all week. That's taking his name in vain. I mean, these things are serious. And if we don't get our vertical relationship right first, then our horizontal relationships are already askew. Because if I'm not right with God, I'm probably not going to be right with you. Because me and you are not perfect. Even on our best days, sometimes we don't always get along. We have trouble. But if I'm getting along with Jesus, everything else will kind of mellow out will kind of come to where they need to be and I'll be in a right relationship with my fellow man whether he wants to be in one with me or not right God said the Bible says he'll make even our enemies be at peace with us so they're not abstract and another thing about them they're not negative I know there's a lot of thou shalt not in there. I, I saw those. I read those. And that is negative, right? Don't do that. You remember when you were a kid? Your mom constantly told, don't do that. Stop. God told us these things not to withhold good from us, but to protect us. My mama told me certain things to do, not to do, because she, she was not mean. She was protecting me. She knew better than I did what I needed at that time in my life, right? And God knows infinitely better what we need. He knew that these things were not negative. Anyone that practices these things is going to be blessed. He said, you're going to be happy. He said, you're going to be provided for. You're going to be protected. That's why our society today is so unhinged. You remember several years ago when they made such a big deal about taking the Ten Commandments out of the courtrooms and the, the statues. We don't need statues. We need practicers. Some of these same people that made such a big deal about getting the statues back in the courthouse didn't keep them themselves. They were worshiping idols of their own making. They were doing all these awful things, but oh, it was so awful. They took the statue down. Well, it did make me angry too. I'm not going to lie, but you know what? You can keep them in your heart. You keep them alive. 
They don't, God doesn't want stone and wood. He wants your heart. And it doesn't matter what these pagans do in our government. King Jesus is still on His throne. They're fighting against Him. They're beating on the hammer of the Word of God with their little rock hammer. And they think they're chiseling away. And one of these days, they're going to, meet, they're going to stand before the judge. And He's going to smack the gavel down. And you're either born again or you're not. And He's going to settle this issue. But these are not negative. God would never withhold from us something that is good for us. There's another truth about the Ten Commandments. They're not arbitrary. They're universal. They're not for some people and, and for others, right? You know, do you know people that are like that? What's good for the goose is not good for the gander. The government does that all the time. Do you know that they don't have to live by the same laws as we do? They have certain things that they get little perks. They don't have to abide by the same statutes that they hand down to us. That's bad. That's what caused a bunch of rebels way, way back in this country to run the Brits out of here. <laughs> Taxation without representation, things like that. Maybe it's time for another uprising. I don't know. I'm not saying take up arms. I'm close, but I am saying this. They're not arbitrary. They don't apply to a special group of people and everybody else gets an exemption. And that's what's wrong in our society. And sadly, that's what's wrong in many of our churches. Some of our leadership in some of our churches, some of our pastors and some of our leaders, they think things don't apply to them as much as they do to you. Well, they do. They're not arbitrary. They're universal. And they're not temporary. You know, Jesus, there's a lot of confusion about what Jesus said about the law. Because we've got these people in the church today, it's all about grace. And I'm all for grace. Anybody in here for grace? I'm for grace. I'm for mercy. But they take that grace and they cheapen it. And what they, what they define it as by the way they live it and by the way they preach it is that God is a compromiser with sin. That God, well, God's too sweet and gentle and gracious and merciful to do that. Oh, contraire. He loves you too much, to, you and I too much to leave us in the state we're in. He compromises with no sin. He said, you come to the cross of my son where he poured out his blood. His sinless, precious blood. And Jesus said, I didn't come to do away with the law. I came to fulfill the law. And he even upped the standard in the Gospels. What did he say about adultery? Thou shalt not commit adultery. He said, you've heard it said you shall not commit adultery. I'm going to take it to another degree for you folks. Hang on to your hat. If you look at a woman that's not your wife with lust in your heart, you've already committed adultery. Whoever in here has ever committed adultery? 
I'm a red-blooded American male, okay? I notice pretty women that aren't my wife. Does that mean I've lusted after everyone? Of course not. But what it does mean is that it's common to every one of us. And that is a universal, non-temporary law that will never go away. I'm held accountable to thou shalt not commit adultery. Thou shalt not kill. That means anyone, at any time, in any stage of life. That, you know why uh, abortion is wrong? Verse 13, thou shalt not kill. That settles it. And we've got politicians, but worse than that, we've got professing Christians and preachers in America that are okay with it. As long as they're pre-born, as long as they're just a fetus, as long as they're just a mass of cells, it's okay. No, God is Lord. That law is not temporal. That law is eternal. And if you take someone's life, society, God demanded that your life be taken. That's the law. So they're not temporary. And of course, the Ten Commandments are not optional. That goes along with it. Not, but they're, they're not optional. You will either keep them or you will be broken by them. You either are broken before the Lord or He will crush you by that law. You can't get away from it. I'm so glad God broke my heart and revealed to me who I really was. Because I've told you all this story countless times since I've been coming here. But before I got saved, I was one of those people that compared myself to other people. And I remember observing kids in my high school that were professing Christians and their dads were deacons. And there was even one girl, her dad was a pastor of a local church and she was wild as a March hare. I loved her to death, but she was. She was wild. And I remember just thinking, the devil let me think, man, I'm doing all right. And for a long time, using that comparison, but one day the Holy Spirit of God got a hold of my heart and I realized I had broken every one of God's commandments. Every one of them. That I was a lying thief and a murderer in my heart. And I needed a Savior. I am so glad He crushed me. So that I won't have to be broken later on. Crushed beyond repair in a million pieces. Because that law right there is not an option. Every one of us comes to a crossroad in our life where you're either going to be broken by Him or you're going to be broken later on, crushed by the weight of your own disobedience and rejection of who He is. Thank God for grace and mercy. Thank God, you know what the law really is? The law is that schoolmaster that brings us to Christ. I don't get these people that... Ah, the, the Old Testament doesn't mean anything. It means everything. The Old Testament, without understanding Genesis, I won't properly understand Matthew. Matthew is nothing more than a fairy tale if I don't go back and read Genesis and understand it because the first 11 chapters in the book of Genesis teach me everything I need to know about God who I am, who He is, and how we relate in this world. 
The Ten Commandments are not optional. And last of all, we're already here. The Ten Commandments are not wearisome. I feel for those people who think Christianity is a list of do's and don'ts. And there are people out there in churches that kind of, they, they may not say that, they may not articulate that in words, but they really do believe that. They live their lives like they look miserable. When they come to church, instead of being joyful, they look just kind of like, I've got I've to be here. <laughs> if I don't, God's going to zap me. God doesn't want that. He wants you to be here because you want to be here and you love being here. And it's a blessing to you. And the Ten Commandments, none of them are wearisome. You know what they do? They give great liberty. I love the fact that I've got parameters. I love the fact that every one of these commandments keep me in a channel of blessing. Because God said, I'll bless you in it. I'm going to bless you if you keep these things. And He does, right? I've been married going on 36 years now. To some people, that's nothing. But to me, it's a big deal. A lot of people of my generation, they're working on their second and third marriages. And I'm not, I'm not saying if, you, if that's happened in your life, God still forgives. Amen? God still restores. God, God is wonderful. But what I am saying is this. He does bless it when we stay together. It's a great blessing that my best friend is also my wife. That's a good thing. Came out of the Word of God. It's a good thing to know that if I don't need to be killing people, even if I get mad at them, right? Have you ever been angry with someone without a real just cause? We all have, haven't we? I'm thankful that keeps me in check. I don't want to go to jail for stupidity, amen? Let them go. Go buy them a blizzard. Forgive them. All these other ones. Honor your father and mother. The first one with, a ble- with the, that blessing, right? All of these things are not wearisome. They're blessings. And I pray that each day you get up, that you remember the first and most important thing is not our horizontal relationships, but our vertical one. When we get the vertical one right, the horizontal ones get automatically better. Amen? You can't be a blessing to man unless you're first a blessing to the Lord. But when you're a blessing to the Lord, you can't help but be a blessing to your fellow man. Amen?